Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. All right, hey, uh, here's what we want to do this morning. Uh, We want to continue our series in the Gospel of John. Uh, We're in a series right now. It's probably going to last for another seven weeks. And the Gospel of John is called Who He Says He Is. And the reason we're calling it Who He Says He Is is because we're looking at the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Seven seven different times Jesus says of himself, I am. And he says some different things. Uh, And if you have your Bible today, what we want to do is uh, we're going to land in John chapter 6. And we're going to look at this place where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. And before we do that, though, uh, I just want to talk to you about bread for a second. Uh, Flour, water, yeast, salt, heat, and time. You put those things together, and what you're going to get is you're going to get delicious bread. Flour, water, yeast, salt, thyme, and heat. Delicious, delicious bread. Um, It's been several years ago, but probably about four years ago, Heather and I ended up in Newport Beach, California, and we went to this little restaurant called Moza. I had heard about Moza because they were sort of like famous for pizza, and we'd been traveling, and I thought, we should go to Moza. And it was three in the afternoon, and we went to Moza, and there's no one there. Um, The restaurant was open, but only because they were were doing the shift change thing, you know, Uh, the lunch crowd had kind of dissipated and the prep crew was there. They were getting ready for dinner and Heather and I came at three and they probably should have told us to get out of there. You know, they probably said, should have said, you know, we're not open, but we were, we were received and they gave us, they gave us a table and there's no one else in there. It's just us and like prep staff. And this really nice waiter came over and, and we had an amazing dinner. And what's really, really cool is after four or five years of going to this place that's supposed to be like very famous for pizza, the only thing I can remember is the bread. The bread. It was like real bread. I think it was some sort of focaccia. It was light. It was fluffy. There was something about it that was herbal. And after five years, after five years, I can remember the bread. A place that's famous for pizza, that's all I remember. Famous for bread in my brain. Uh, and here's what I want to say about bread as well. Uh, bread, is, bread, is not just, bread is not just good in a general sense, but as I was thinking about it this, this week, I was, thinking, I was thinking this. All bread is good. All bread is good. Like, like farmer's market, artisan, handmade, infused with herbs straight out of the oven. That bread is really good. You know what else? You know what other kind of bread is good? $2.99 white bread, wonder bread, also good. And, and when you think about it, part of what you realize is, is there is no bad bread. All bread is wonderful. It's all delicious. And I know that there's some people, maybe even in this room, who try to distance themselves from bread. <laughs> you, you say things like, I don't do carbs or I don't, I don't do gluten. And there's always a tone, isn't there? I don't, I don't do car. There's, there's always a tone. Uh, listen, here's what I want you to know, tr- church. Uh, these people can't be trusted. 
I've lived life without bread and here's what I've found. There's no life in it. There's no life in that. It's just misery. And by the way, this is the other thing I've learned about life with no bread. There's no rewards coming for you for living without bread. There's no hand claps. You're never going to get a plaque for giving up carbohydrates. No one's, no one's going to give you a license. No one's going to give you some special thing. So what are we doing here? No pictures in the paper, nothing. But here's what I do know. Bread, carbohydrates in low form with butter. A person can't do much better. A person can't do much better. I want to read to you some scripture that goes with our first scripture. Some of you may have been here at the very beginning of worship and you thought, why are we reading all this stuff out of Exodus? Why are we doing that? Well, hopefully it'll make a little more sense. But I want to read to you today out of John chapter 6. Seth, I think it's verse 22 and following. A lot of stuff had happened. We're just jumping in the middle. It says this, the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the boat and they realized that Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into boats and they went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. He had just done that food multiplication trick, you know, not because you understand the miraculous signs. But don't be concerned about perishable things like food. Instead, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, I love this. This is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Listen, some of y'all need to underline that, that, that verse. You know, some of us think, oh, you become a Christian. You got a lot to do. Nope. The only thing God wants you to do is believe in the son that he sent. That's the only work. That's a good news. All right, Seth, 30. Then they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? I mean, he's just done one, right? And Jesus says this, after, after all, our ancestors ate the manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture say, says, Moses gave them bread to eat from heaven. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That's today's text. Jesus says that he's the bread of life. I mean, are there better words in the whole Bible? Jesus is the bread of life. Uh, and aren't you glad he didn't say, I'm the cottage cheese of life? <laughs> I was thinking about that this week, you know? Aren't you, glad he, aren't you glad he didn't say, I'm the low carb option of life? <laughs> Instead, he's the bread of life and he's the lamb of God and he's the true vine and if you put all of that together, what you get is this. Jesus is the feasting God. 
He's the bread of life. He's the lamb of God. And he's the true vine. He's the feasting God. No need to back up from the table. I don't know about you, but when I hear these sort of things, I get hungry. And if I'm honest, I'm pretty much hungry all the time. In fact, I'm so conditioned to eat that I'll stand in front of an open refrigerator just because I'm bored. Anybody ever ended up in front of the refrigerator with it open? You're looking and you know what's in there. You were there five minutes ago. And you're, why, why am I here? I don't, I'm just bored. In fact, my body, my body makes me go to the fridge every night at 10 p.m. no matter what. It can be 10 o'clock at night and maybe I'm not hungry at all, but I will stand up from the couch. I will go to the fridge and I will open it up. Why? Because I'm a hungry person. That's why. Sometimes I stand there and I wonder, how did I get here? Uh, the animal part of who I am has a tendency to take over. Now, the other day, I, I went on a short run, a, a really, really short little jaunt through the Trace Pittman Greenway that we have here in Campbellsville. It's like, it's like Campbellsville's nicest thing, you know? And, and I ran my little three-mile loop, and I got back in my truck, and I got overcome by a wave of hunger and while I was in my truck, I thought I was going to die. So I drove straight to Brothers. And I went in and I realized I had no money. I had left my wallet here at the church. And so I told, I told the girl at the, at the register, I said, I'll be right back. And so I came over here as quick as I could. And I got my wallet and I went back and I got a brisket sandwich. And I asked them to make it extra briskety. <laughs> and I got collard greens. And I sat in the front window at one of those round tables by myself. It's like 2.30 in the afternoon. No one is in there. It's just me and the, all my stories are like this. It's me and the staff at 3 a.m., 3, 3 in the afternoon. And I eat this brisket sandwich like a coyote. I mean, it, I just, and I ate the collard greens just straight down the gullet. I was so hungry. I was drinking the collard green juice. You ever been that hungry? You just, you just, you just like, I just had to have it. I was like, I need the salt, ah, you know, right down the hatch. And I look up at one point when I'm drinking this collard green juice and the, you know, the cash register girl is looking at, we made eye contact. <laughs> I was so ashamed I had to look away, you know. <laughs> I have an appetite. And the good news is, is that Jesus is talking about appetites this morning when he says, I'm the bread of life. In fact, that's how he kind of ends the text that we read this morning. He said, you know, I'm the bread of life and anybody who comes to me, will never be hungry again. And if you believe in me, you'll never be thirsty again. And how many of you know when, that when Jesus is saying these words, I'm the bread of life. And if you come to me, you won't hunger and thirst. How many of you know he's, he's talking about more than just just hunger for food. He, he's, talking about, he's talking about appetite with a capital A. And the reason he's doing that is because the world is full of appetites. In fact, it's a big part of what it means to be a human. Uh, there's a case to be made that, that appetites are what keep us alive. Like hunger for food keeps us nourished. You know, you don't want to just stop eating. Hunger for food keeps you nourished. And, and and hunger for sex keeps the world populated and, and flourishing and, and, and a bit of ambition will get you out of bed in the morning. 
And, and not only that, but our need for significance can bring, can bring leadership and service. But appetites that are unchained, well, they can, they can be nothing short of disaster. All of us in the room this morning have appetites. All of us have hunger at work in our lives. Uh, for some of us here in the room this morning, uh, some of us here are hungry for transcendence. Some of us are hungry for transcendence. Uh, life inside the imminent frame of Western materialism is literally choking us to death. Can I tell you something? That's not some of us here. That's all of us here. Life inside the imminent frame of Western culture is choking us to death. Uh, some of us in the room have a sense that there's more happening than we realize. And, and, maybe, and maybe the more that's happening is not just a matter of smaller and smaller particles. You know, the materialistic answer of, well, what's really going on is a smaller particle that sits inside of the smaller particle. Some of us have become unsatisfied with that answer. And here's what I want to say to you this morning. Good. You're hungry for transcendence. Uh, some of us here are hungry and we have an appetite for acquisition. Uh, here's one of the things I've learned in life. It's fun to build a machine that gets you a little bit more. That's a fun thing. You know, like build a machine. You know, at what machine are you talking about? Any machine. Any machine that can make you more. But maybe you've noticed, maybe you've noticed that for all the more you get, you're still hungry. Uh, maybe some of us in the room resonate, resonate with, with this moment from the life of John D. Rockefeller when he was asked by a reporter, how much money is enough? He looked at the reporter and he said, just a little bit more. Some of us here are driven to significance. Some of us in the room want to do something great. Some of us here want to make a mark. And maybe, maybe you haven't even gone down some really dark hole, but you've noticed that achievement never scratches the itch. You get another piece of paper, you know, and it just doesn't make you feel any better. Uh, some, of us change, some of us change careers every three or four years because we just can't find the contentment that we think achievement's going to bring us. Uh, some of us want what we do not have. We're hungry and thirsty. Some of us are hungry and thirsty for what we do not have. And for some of us, it's things like a mate, especially for folks at church. We've prayed for a spouse, but nothing, not even a date. <laughs> or maybe, or maybe, or maybe, maybe it's the thing that we just haven't been able to get in our life. Maybe, maybe we want a baby and we just haven't been able to have a baby. Or maybe, maybe we've been trying for the last five years to reconnect to our blood relatives and every attempt has gone wrong. And, and maybe, maybe your family is crazy and you've tried to be the non-crazy one and you want to bring some stability. I'm getting amens already. We're on it. Some of us in the room have an appetite for sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Maybe it's a substance. And, and maybe you've tried to quit, but it hasn't worked. And maybe you've done all the things. Maybe you've done all the things, and it just hasn't worked. And maybe, maybe you didn't even intend on becoming chained to some substance, but here you are, you know? Here you are. And for some of us, 
It's not that we have an appetite for one particular thing. It's that we have an appetite for everything. Like we're never satisfied. Uh, we're never at rest. Uh, we're, always, we're always trying to scratch an itch that seems to move. Uh, we move from one hobby to another. Uh, one trip after another. More shots of adrenaline, but less and less joy. Uh, and here's what happens. Here's what happens. It just, you just get really hungry. You get really hungry. And, and by the way, when it comes to having an appetite for everything and going from one hobby to another, I just need you guys to know, I'm just preaching to myself. I'm an enthusiast. I love new hobbies, right? I love new hobbies. But at a certain point, you have to go, what is sitting underneath all of that? Here's what I would like to say. To be hungry is to be human. It's who we are. But here's the other thing I would like to say. Just like bread has a recipe, so life has balance. Just like bread has a recipe, so life has balance. Too much yeast and things get weird. Uh, too little water and it's a tough loaf. Too much salt and you've got a problem. Uh, to be hungry is human, but it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. Uh, here's another thing that it is to be human. Contentment. Contentment and rest and laughter and friendship. These are also things that are connected to what it means to be a human. And the good news for everybody this morning in the room is that Jesus wants to satisfy our deepest hungers. Jesus wants to satisfy our deepest hungers. All of our appetites are in some way pointing us to God. All of our appetites, like whatever you're into, the thing that really stirs on the inside, uh, here's the truth. You don't really have an appetite uh, for sex and money and rock and roll. You don't really have an appetite for another drink of alcohol. You don't really have an appetite for buying another new car or going to Mexico for the 17th time. What you really have is an appetite for God, and we've mislabeled it. And Jesus says... I'm the bread, I'm the substance, I'm the meal that has come down from heaven and I want to satisfy you in the very places that you've mislabeled and misnamed. But here's what I know. Sometimes we object. Sometimes we object. And in fact, in the very passage that we read this morning from John chapter 6, Jesus says this thing, I'm the bread of life. And if you come to me, if you believe in me, you'll never be hungry or thirsty again. And immediately the people object. And there are two objections from John chapter 6, and I think these are human objections to Jesus as the bread of life. Two objections. Number one is familiarity. Chapter 6, verse 42. Can we put that up, Seth? Here's what the people say. This is like right after he says, I'm the bread of life. The people say, isn't this Jesus the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven. How can he say? Uh, Jesus says he wants to satisfy. And one of the objections to receiving the nourishment of Jesus is actually familiarity with Jesus. In fact, in fact, the Jesus you knew in, the, in, a, in a previous season can actually keep you from knowing the Jesus who stands in front of you in the current moment. Uh, listen to what they say. Isn't this isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? How can he say he came down from heaven, right? Like the knowledge of Jesus they previously had is blinding them to who he is in the moment. 
familiarity. Familiarity will keep us from receiving the bread of life. Some of us here, some of us here grew up in church and, and Jesus maybe saved you out of any number of things. Listen, the Jesus who saved you early on, uh, if, if you don't keep following Jesus, if you don't walk with him uh, in your life and you get a little bit separated, uh, the previous version of Jesus can actually keep you from hearing, seeing, believing, and knowing the Jesus who is with us today in a way that can nourish you. You know, some of us have maybe no experience with Jesus. Maybe we just, we've heard a story about Jesus or the Jesus we think we know, the, the, the familiar Jesus that we're actually unfamiliar with. Some of us have grown up in maybe families or in neighborhoods where being a Christian was like the dumbest thing you could do, you know? And they're like, why would anybody want to be a Christian? Why would anybody want to follow Jesus? It's so dumb. And the familiarity of a story can keep you from receiving the bread of life. Familiarity. Number two, uh, this comes from John chapter six, verse 52. Absurdity. Second objection. Can we put this one up, Seth? 652. says this, then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. Right before this, Jesus is making these statements saying, I'm the bread of life. I'm the true bread that's come down from heaven. And he says, you got to eat my flesh and you got to drink my blood, right? And the people are like, what is he talking about? How can a man give us his flesh to eat? It sounds so absurd. It sounds absurd. And by the way, who could blame them? He, who could blame them? Uh, when Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, uh, he's pointing to his cross in a really, really low-key and dark sort of way. Uh, the cross where his body would be broken like bread and where his blood would be poured out like wine. Jesus is saying, there's a feast that's about to be set before you and it's going to rest in the absurd. It's going to seem, it's going to seem impossible to you. And by the way, what's more absurd than a healer who can't heal himself? And what's more absurd than a God who dies on the cross or a victory that comes by losing? Like literally, literally, it's more than we can handle. And Jesus is saying, Feast with me on that. Jesus is saying, bring your dying to my dying. He's saying, bring your hungry to my offering and become whole. But it sounds so absurd. And here's what I want you to know this morning. Sometimes we bring our appetites to Jesus and the meal he offers us seems crazy. Sometimes the path forward seems impossible or just seems so divorced from logic or the way the world works. And here's what I want you to know. Both familiarity and absurdity can keep us from receiving the bread of life. But just like God was leading the children of Israel in the Old Testament out of Egypt and into a promised land, uh, Jesus is also leading us as well. This is actually my favorite part. This text this morning in John chapter 6, it's about, it's about moving into a promised land. 
John 6, the part that we didn't read this morning, John 6 begins with Jesus feeding the 5,000. And John is very, very particular about this detail. He says it's in the desert. Jesus feeds the 5,000 in the desert. The next story in John chapter 6 is Jesus walking on the water. And then it comes to everything that we've read this morning where Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the true bread that's come down from heaven. So the first two things that happen are feeding of the 5,000 in the desert. And the second thing that happens is Jesus walks on the water. This is John's way of saying, this is an Old Testament Moses promised land moment when the children of Israel ate manna in the desert. And when Moses led the people of Israel through the Red Sea, on dry ground. So John is showing us this picture and he's pulling these echoes from the past right into the present. And by doing so, he's saying Jesus is the true Moses. He is the true manna. He is the true bread. And we're headed to a promised land. And to make it even more explicit, in three different places in John chapter 6, Jesus Jesus uses this very weird phrase about himself. He says, I'm, I'm not just the bread of life, but I'm the bread that's come down from heaven. Come down from heaven. He says it in three places in verse 33, 41, and 58. He says, I'm the bread that's come down from heaven. If you take that, that little phrase and if you, if you let it remind you of the, of the scriptures that Kate read to us this morning from Exodus 16, did you, did you notice that the manna came down in Exodus that fed them. This is Jesus's way of saying like, I'm the real manna. I'm the real substance. The thing that kept those people alive so many years ago was simply a shadow of what has come to you in person. And he's coming to feed and to bring life. And here's what I love. Just like the manna that appears and also disappears in the book of Exodus, it would appear every morning and then it would what? disappear, right? It would appear every morning and then it would disappear. Just like the manna that appears and then disappears, Jesus is the manna who has appeared and also disappeared in his ascension. But even by the end of John chapter 20 and 21, Jesus is literally appearing in rooms and disappearing. He is, he is manna in their presence. And some of you might be thinking, well, what does that have to do with us now? Or what do we do now? Or, or how do we gather this bread of life? Or where can we find him? Or what will we eat on the way? And here's what I would like to say to the church this morning. It's the body and the blood of Jesus. And it's his body and blood. It's the bread of heaven. And it's available to us. It's available to us at the table of the Lord. It's available to us at the table of the Lord. Every time the community of the church gathers around the table of the Lord, the bread of life, the manna of heaven is available as real substance to heal and to nourish us. It, it appears and it disappears. We're living in this, in this moment uh, as a community of faith where we are journeying from the desert to a promised land. And while we're in the desert, Jesus has made manna available to us. It is his very presence. It is his very substance. And we find it 
in the community gathered as the church, and we find it specifically at the table of the Lord. Communion ain't no joke. Uh, it's the place where we come and get we come and get the bread that's come down from heaven. It's the place where we can get the nourishment for all the hungers uh, in our heart uh, for every for every appetite that we have, for every appetite that we have to acquire more, to have more, to be more, to experience more, we actually have a meal that can begin to satisfy us in our deepest places. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, The end of this meeting is we're going to receive the body and the blood of Jesus. We're going to receive communion. If you're on the worship band this morning, come on up. Uh, Everybody else can stand up. And if you're one of the couples who's going to serve, come and grab a cup and a plate. And would you take your position around the church? Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.